Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning Word with Bishop W.F. Houston Jr. Placing our faith in something that we've done for God means we have confidence in something other than Christ. This morning Bishop Houston will teach us that salvation is entirely by grace through faith and not earned by good deeds. Let's go in and listen to Bishop Houston as he continues his series, Playing Church Part 3. What a joy it is to be back once again to share the Word of God with you. This morning we're going to start the third part of our Playing Church series on the foundation of Matthew chapter 7. And I'll be centering this morning's text on verses 21 through 23. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we say good morning to you. We come this morning with the doors of our hearts open to you. We thank you for allowing us to come together to fellowship once again. Lord God, I'm here this morning as a vessel willing to be used by you. This morning I say, here I am, Lord, use me. Use me to deliver the words you have created to nourish the souls of your children. Have your way, Lord, have your way. This morning, I ask you to protect our 46th president, President Joe Biden, and our 49th vice president, Kamala Davy Harris, who is the first female vice president, first African and Asian American to hold this prestigious honor. Lord God, we all know the road ahead of them is going to be challenging. But with you, we all know there is nothing too hard for those that believe in you. I'm also asking you to protect our frontline workers as they continue to brave the storms of COVID-19, protect our troops that are overseas, and I pray for civil rest. I also ask that you continue to strengthen the families that have lost jobs and loved ones and heal those that are in the hospital. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. And let's look at our focal scripture this morning. The word of God reads this way. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. May God continue to place his copious unconditional love on the listeners and spiritually active people. In Matthew 7, 21 to 23, we're taken to the final judgment and we're at the great white throne and we're seeing some of the people who are confronting Christ at that time and, and, and they're saying to him, Lord, Lord, here we are. We're the ones who were devout individuals. Peter calls this day the day of the final verdict and damnation for irrationally sinful men. Now, the phrase that he uses here, irrational sinful men, may seem like a complicated phrase for some of you, and that's because you too are religious. You see, religious people declare they're Christians, and it's no different here. You know, there's a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees in many churches and ministries today. 2 Timothy 3, 5 says, they will act religious. 
Look what Jesus says in Matthew 23, 27 through 28. This is the way it reads. You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You're like manicured grave plots, grass clipped and the flowers bright, but six feet deep it's all rottening bones and worm-eating flesh. Beloved, these are religious people who claim to be Christians. Here in Matthew 7, it's speaking to the religious people, those who claim to be Christians, but actually are the ones that are playing church. Now, there's a tremendous quiet on Judgment Day, and that's because the final verdict is in. It's just like most courtrooms when the final verdict is handed to the judge. It's quiet. It's so quiet you can hear a pin drop. That's because everyone is waiting to hear the final verdict. And then in verse 21, the quiet is penetrated by Jesus' words. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Right here, we have the requirement for entering the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm sure you have questions. Some of you are saying, what is that condition? How can a man enter the kingdom of God? And others of you may be saying, or may be asking, how does a man become part of the kingdom of God? How can a man be in a real vital relationship with God? Well, first, it's not the people that say, Lord, Lord. Mm -mm. It's anyone who does the will of God. Now, I'm going to repeat that again here. It's not the people that say, Lord, Lord. It's anyone who does the will of God. Now, many are confused about the words will and work. So allow me to clarify the difference between will and work. Will is motivation. It's determination. It's an enthusiastic, self-inspired drive with a purpose. It says when the going gets tough, you joyously reach down and grab hold of some uh, intestinal fortitude to get fervently re-energized. Work is also determination, but without the zeal. Work is an aggressive effort that encompasses unwanted mental compression and tension. Will says, I love doing it. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to prepare to do it more and more and more. I can't wait to do it. Work says, can't wait till it's over. I don't want to do it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't have to. You see, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. In other words, only those who desire those who want to, those who crave to, those who feel a need to, those who believe it's necessary to, those who have a made up mind to serve him regardless of their circumstances or conditions. In Matthew 25, 1 through 13, 
You have a fascinating story right here. And it's an account of 10 virgins and they've been invited to the festival and five of them came prepared. The five virgins brought with them filled oil lamps and extra oil to refill their oil lights just in case their oil runs out. Now the other five were unwise and they came unprepared. Matthew 25, 11 tells us the doors were shut, leaving the five unprepared virgins on the outside. Beloved, do you remember what they said? They said, Lord, Lord, open the doors for us. And the Lord of the feast day said, believe me, I don't know you. That's thought provoking, isn't it? He said, believe me, I don't know you. You see, Jesus invited them to the festival. They had learned the gospel, in a sense, uh, metaphorically. They had heard the declaration, come to the feast. Beloved, this allegory is an illustration to God's calling to the world. They even went to the extent to equip themselves with lamps. They were even wearing the right clothes. They even arrived at the correct conference room. But they were locked out. Mm -hmm. And their plea was the same plea as it is in Matthew chapter 7. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he says, it's not the people that say, Lord, Lord. Once again, it's anyone who does the will of God. Only those who desire, those who want to, those who crave to, those who feel a need to, those who believe it's necessary to, those who have a made-up mind to serve him regardless of their circumstances, or conditions. Beloved, this is a severe alert. Mm -hmm. At the end of that parable in verse 13, Jesus says, so you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Beloved, it's time out for playing church. It's time in to doing the real work of God. In Hosea 8, 1 through 2, Hosea gives us an illustration. And the following story is very interesting. You see, historically, Hosea's people were almost at the bottom, you know, Israel had started slipping, and, and, and by the time you get to Hosea's prophecy, he's furious and, and, and he's acting crazy about their lack of knowledge. He said, my people are damaged because they are short on knowledge and understanding. Uh, Hosea is telling us that his people don't have a clue about the realism on the inside of them. He compares them to early morning dew that evaporates. 
In other words, he's saying they can receive good sound advice, point them in the correct direction, and all the time you've spent with them trying to get them on the right track, it's just a matter of time. Everything they have heard or received fades and vanishes. He said they don't have any spiritual integrity in them. That's because they have abandoned God. They have left the morals of the church. Now, in Hosea chapter 8, 1 through 2, something serious is about to happen. Here, Hosea paints us a picture of a vulture. In some Bibles, it's called a vulture. But in the New Living Translation Bible, it's called an eagle. We're going to call it a vulture. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about vultures, let me give you a little tidbit about them. Vultures are scavengers and they fly high in the sky looking for dead prey or are waiting for their target to die. Here, it gives us the illustration of a vulture swooping over the house of God. Now, it's a representation that it's a, a fact that there was some religious activity in Israel, but there was a lot of other things going on also. Some activities weren't religious. There were some things that was capturing the attention of good and bad men and women. Festivals, partying, and doing things that were not a part of the morals of God. Sure, they attended church, but their minds were on the outside of the spiritual edifice. They were playing church. And the real truth was that the, the, the place was dead, and it's evident because of the vulture that was swooping over it. There was nothing but a dead carcass. Israel abandoned God's temple. Hosea created this scene to look like there was a relationship with God. And then the scene changed to tragedy, a picture of a flying vulture. It was an illustration of what was about to happen. The up-in-your-face facts, the final decision, the final verdict had arrived. Because of Israel's neglect of God, Hosea prophesies that God will demolish Israel. Israel still had religious traditions. Israel still had a religious belief. But you know what? A tradition is a ritual, and a ritual is a routine, and most routines become mundane, or in other words, boring. The Israelites were just going through the motions. They were dead. There wasn't any authenticity to their religion, only conventionalism. Why? Because they were playing church. And in verse 2 of Hosea 8, Look at what they said. In verse 2 of Hosea chapter 8, look at what they said. When the judgment call is spoken, God delivers it through Hosea. They say this, help us, for you are our God. Just like Matthew chapter 7, 
when they say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform miracles in your name. The Jews in Hosea 8 said, what do you mean judging us? How could you? We know you, it's us, Lord. They cried out, my God, my God, it's us. You know, we're the one that did these things in your name. What a tragedy, what a tragedy. And the reality is God doesn't know them. You see, at that point, that particular generation of people has set aside their relationship with God by their desire. So you can see that it's not those who feel they meet the criteria and will eventually enter the kingdom. It's not even those who request to enter that will eventually get in. It's not enough to request. It's not enough to feel you might meet the criteria. But it is enough when it comes to being obedient. Beloved, God has set specific rules on the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. They must be obeyed or there will be no entrance allowed. Plain and simple, point made. Sure, you want to go to heaven. In fact, you may want to go badly. So much that you start going to church. Now that you're in church, <laughs> you don't want to get too involved because it's work. You know, you just want to be a member, just sitting in the pews. You know, you get up and you go to church because uh, you want people to see you going to church, but you don't really want to get involved in the church. Beloved, let me tell you, <laughs> unless you come by way of Jesus Christ, you cannot enter. All of your religious operation and all the conventionalism that you go through is pointless. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's pointless. Peter said in his awesome sermon in Acts chapter 4, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Beloved. There's no other name than Jesus Christ. Let everyone say amen. Bishop Houston has brought us another wonderful message this morning. Thank you for listening to Sunday Morning Word with Bishop W.F. Houston Jr. You can stream more spiritual content by Bishop Houston on Spotify, Deezer, Apple Music Podcast, Google Music Podcast, and Amazon Alexa. You can also watch videos of this program and other Christian House of Faith CHOF creations on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. We here at CHOF Ministry encourage you to continue to wear masks, wash your hands, social distance, and stay in your bubble. It will keep you out of trouble. Join us here next Sunday as Bishop Houston continues part four of his series, Playing Church. Have a blessed Sunday everyone.